0: The book of John, chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. It's a powerful statement, but outside of the context, it may be a little confusion. Jesus is ministering when he gets word from some of his closest friends. Mary and Martha send word and said, Jesus, our brother, one of your best friends, Lazarus, is really sick. In fact, we're not sure if he'll live through it. Can you hurry and come? Jesus hesitates. He doesn't stop what he's doing. He continues ministering where he's at. He doesn't rush off. In fact, he takes a number of days to continue doing what he's doing. When he finally arrives right outside of Martha and Mary's city, Martha goes running out to meet him before he even gets to their home. He's got his disciples, those following, and Martha runs out to meet him. And let's look at the engagement in Scripture found in John chapter 11. Verse 21 That they begin to have. Lord Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would have not died, or would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, Girlfriend, I am the resurrection and the life. He who comes to me will live even though he dies. Even though, even though he dies, verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, sweetheart? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. What Jesus is doing is helping her understand and grasp who's standing in front of her. She goes into a theological en- engagement with him. I, I know, I believe that those of us that follow the Lord will resurrect one day. And she's really kind of pointing to, The moment where God takes all people, all humanity, brings them all back in front of him and separates the sheep from the goats and separates them out. And she says, I know that he's not like often some eternal knowerness that there will be a resurrection and there'll be a separating of the sheep. I I agree with that. Lord, I believe that. And he goes, sweetheart, that's not what I'm talking about. Standing in front of you, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am who God promised the Messiah would be I am he Mary finds out that Jesus is there and so she goes running out to the city and same thing she engaged with him and she says Jesus if only you'd gotten here I know I know that you can do anything I know my brother wouldn't have died and Jesus begins to weep over the whole process of this thing it's the shortest verse in, in English scripture and then they bring him to the tomb he says bring me to the tomb and as he's there in front of the tomb, and again, you've got to understand the culture and the time frame. They wouldn't make caskets and dig holes and put people down in the ground like that. What they would do in these areas is they would carve out in the side of a mountain. They would, they would carve out a hole, and then once they got inside of it, they would carve it out even more. And many times those caves were naturally already had, you know, were, were existing. And so they would just use them, and they'd carve them out a little bit more. And sometimes they put entire families into these little tombs, these little caves, and then they would put a stone in front of it. And, and so Jesus bring me to the tomb. And I say, get to the tomb. He says, roll the stone away. And they're like, no, 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 Jesus, you can't do that. He's already been in there. His body's been in there for four days. He already stinks. The other day I put out some poison in my shed because I had rat, rat droppings everywhere. And, uh, and I came in about a week later. I'd forgotten about it. And as soon as I opened the door, I was like, What's that smell? Well, I got one, obviously. <laughs> and I couldn't find it. And I found it up in the rafters of my shed. And it was already pretty nasty. Martha's saying, Jesus, no, 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 no. He's already started to get dig- It's gross. You can- we can't do that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Remove the stone. So you need to understand something. It doesn't matter how putrid or how dark your life is, Jesus comes down into that place and he resurrects that which is dead, brings to life that which is dead inside of you. And he says, "Resurrect, move the stone. And then he yells out, Lazarus, come forth. See, what had happened was his body, had been separated from his spirit and his soul. Jesus calls his spirit and his soul back into his body. And that liver, that kidney, that heart, those organs that already the blood has pretty much drained out that are now decayed and cannot work, could never work in a million years, he causes those to start working again, to come back, to grow back again. And Lazarus comes out of that and the whole people look and say, who is this guy? Well, he's already said, I am the resurrection And the life. You have to understand something. This weekend is so critical that we celebrate not that Jesus died on a cross alone, but that he resurrected. He is the resurrection and the life. And no matter how bad your marriage is, no matter how difficult your life is, he can step into that dark space and bring life. I can prove it to you today. There's a couple in our church that you need to hear their story of how God resurrected their marriage and their life. And I promise if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Watch this. So, hey, I'm sitting here with the Chapmans, some of the best people in our whole church, small group leaders, uh, people who love other people. And uh, you guys have a great story of how God resurrected your marriage.
1: Literally.
0: Your life. And uh, tell us a little bit about them.
1: Well, about seven years ago we were just in a horribly dark place and we were empty our marriage was empty there was no love Yeah, the love was gone it was lost
2: there's just n- numbers of things and then it just led to events where she became just a single parent to me it started early it, it wasn't when we got married it molded me and shaped me when I was young yeah so I started building up these walls and Oh, it worked for a long time, but there was also a lot of sacrifices too.
1: I had already talked to a counselor about how you tell your children, and I, I knew what I was going to do. I knew how much it was going to cost, and God said, you do not have my permission. I was like, okay, I will forgive. I, I have gotten pretty good at that, but I still don't have any love. There's nothing there. So God, if I don't have your permission to leave, you have to change my heart because I don't want to stay here and just be roommates. Yeah. I don't want to just survive.
2: For men, especially this guy here, when I became a man, right. Hey man, I'm do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna accomplish all this, da-da-da, and I conquered, but my, my marriage failed.
1: And it was at the encounter when somebody was praying for him and they stopped in the middle of praying for us and said, God wants you to know he is not disappointed in you. And he just broke. I mean, I physically felt it breaking.
2: Whenever that was spoken, it was just, you know, released to say, you know what, man?
0: You're all right yeah
1: like you can get it back yeah. just like you talked about you can change the trajectory you can
0: and and
2: you know if you just keep going towards the cross yeah that's all you got. everything else man don't yeah. matter
1: I mean it's a process it takes time yeah but if God can change these two people and he can restore our heart he can do it for anybody
0: yeah talking about the resurrected power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He goes down into that tomb and He speaks life. And that which was dead and darkened and broken, He brings back to life. Matthew chapter 28 is the account of Jesus raising from the dead. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 28, it says, And after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, which would be today, Sunday, But he is risen, just like he said he would. You have to understand this scenario. Jesus has been crucified. They take his body down off the cross. They wrap it. They put him in this tomb because the Sabbath is coming, and they have to go about their festival ritualistic things that they do. So they put him in the tomb. It's not even his tomb. A man who owns it loans it to him. They put the rock, the giant stone in front of it. And then what happens is the Jewish leaders are concerned that Jesus' disciples will go and rob his body from the grave and then tell everybody, see, he was the Messiah. He resurrected, see, his body's not here. So they went to Pilate, the Roman governor, and they said, listen, you need to do something about this. We're asking you to roll the stone in front, seal it, and post guards there. Now, you have to understand the Roman occupation. These guys, the Romans, are telling everyone else what to do. They are the the warlords, if you will. And so, culture tells us that they would have either put somewhere between 4 and 20 guards. So, there are probably at least 4 Roman guards. There is a seal. They seal it like with a wax seal. And then a signet ring of one of the officials is put into that wax seal. Thereby, if you break that seal, the Romans are coming after you and you're going to be executed. Nobody would touch that thing. Then posting four guards out in front of it. And probably even some of the temple guards from the Jewish side were there as well. And the Bible says early on Sunday, early on that morning, the ladies get up, Mary and Mary go, Mary, Mary. And they start heading towards the tomb. And as they get close to the tomb, all of a sudden there's an earthquake. There's this giant earthquake. And then all of a sudden an angel comes down. And rolls back the, t- the stone, <laughs> throws, and then he jumps on it. I think that's hilarious. And he sits on it like a chessyard cat. He just sits on it. He sits on it. And as all this happening, it's like lightning is coming from, from this angel's body. It says he, he glowed like lightning. Have you ever been filming something when lightning hit? It completely, it completely overtakes the screen, right? It's just this blast of light blast of light happens as he sits down on this stone and all the guards that are standing there the bible says they froze and became like dead men well dead men don't stand up so these jokers fall to the ground i mean they're fought, they're they're gone they're out they're toast they're on the ground and then the ladies are like oh omj i mean they're like, like what do i do And the angel speaks to him and says, I know who you're looking for. He ain't here. Nope. He did what he said he was going to do. He has risen from the dead. First and foremost, as they go to leave then, if you'll continue the storyline, Jesus meets them just a little bit further down in the garden, which I think is so cool because Jesus was always about destroying cultural barriers. Because the first people he, he appears to is Mary and Mary, two females. In a Middle Eastern culture where women are considered second-rate humans. Come on, somebody. Jesus will break past your little culture problem that you have. And he will show you the truth that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, black, white, Hispanic. In Christ, all are created equal. Come on now. So he blows past that thing and he shows up to these ladies. In this moment, you have to understand the power of this resurrection. As Jesus resurrects, he's been dead. He, you think Lazarus stunk? He stinks. They haven't even had time to really, to really care for him. That's why they were going back to see if there's any chance. They, this, this body would have been stinking. Jesus raised from the dead. And then over the next 40 days, he appears to over 500 witnesses. Over 500 witnesses, dead, resurrects, and starts appearing to 500 witnesses. The reason why this is so critical is because we've got people in jail doing life that have been executed on the word of just one or two witnesses. Some of them even false witnesses. You've got 500 people said, I was sitting at the table, and he come through the wall and started talking to me. I touched him. He ate with us. The reason why this is so critical, and you have to understand is a couple of reasons. Number one, the resurrection is so powerful and so critical. Number one, because number one, it proves that he is who he says he is. He is who he says he is. When he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, he is the resurrection and the life. And him resurrecting from the dead has proven it. There's no other religion. There's no other uh, uh, you know, prophet Or any person else in all these religions who died and rose from the dead. If you believe there's a God in heaven, then why would the God in heaven resurrect, come on somebody, a false prophet who's not the Son of God? Jesus said, I am the Son of God. And when he resurrected, he proved that he is who he says he is. The second thing that that does is it guarantees us that he can do what he says he can do. And when he says, I can bring you life in your darkness, he can bring you life in your darkness. When he says I can fix your marriage, he can fix your marriage. When he says I can take what is dead and rot it and putrid, I can come inside of that and bring life into that. He can do what he says he can do. The problem for most of us is we'll never let the stone be rolled away so that Jesus can get to us. Years ago, one of the most popular preachers in the United States, in fact, much much earlier in life, he had been my first youth pastor he was exposed as being in homosexuality and in, in doing drugs. They exposed him. It was a big national fanfare. Everybody covered the story. And this man of God lost his ministry, lost everything. And a year later or so, after going through counseling and therapy and all these things, he made this statement. I'll never forget it. He said, there was a dark place in my soul that I didn't know how to deal with. Even a great man of God can have a tomb, dark place in their soul. And each and every one of us have to let Jesus do what he does for a living. And that is get past the stone and let him into that place that is putrid, to heal it and to fix it. And this man of God admitted, I never let Jesus pass that stone. I would never roll it away so he could get down. Oh, I could preach, I could help people, but this place in my soul, I would never let Jesus touch. And Frank, can I tell you, sitting across from me today, sitting here on this stage, we all have dark places in our soul that we must let Jesus touch. We must let him resurrect and bring life because he said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I have come not to throw stones at you, but to resurrect you out of the stony heart that you have. I have come so that you can walk in healing and forgiveness and release the shame from you. Friend, can I tell you something? The Resurrection Sunday should be the greatest moment of your life every year. You should say, oh God, I was dead in my sin and you resurrected me. And if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. There's a story that I have to share with you today. A friend of mine named Manny and his beautiful family have a story that you have to see. So we're going to play that for you now.
2: My name is Manny, and this is my miracle story. Uh, it was February of 2009. My mother was living in Oak Cliff, and I, I was living in Grand Prairie. And I, I was at work, and I received a, a phone call from my brother, and he told me uh, he said, uh, "I just found our mother, and she's been she's been killed, murdered, you know." and by the time I got there, they had taken her away and the detectives detectives were asking questions and I was just in shock and couldn't believe it, you know. And uh, They told me some of the things a couple of days later how how she had died and um, that she had been beaten and she had been shot. All the man had to do was just push it to the side and take whatever he wanted. But, you know, he did what he did. You know, I started feeling hate. I started thinking things or thoughts of, of getting even with his family or getting even with him. And the detectives, I found out, um, when they told me that they got him, they charged him with uh, burglary. About a month later, they let him go. And they t- told me that they had to let him go and, and at that time, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna get him instead of his family. It was eating me up with thoughts of going and you know doing I wanted to go do damage, and I had a good friend, I call him a good friend man you know, he, he, he said, "He hey man, let's go. I got guns, let's go, let's go do it you know And at this time, I'm in church, and I'm having these thoughts like this, but I'm searching the scriptures also. And, you know, I knew an eye for an eye. I agreed with that, you know, at the time. I wanted an eye for an eye. But then when I got to Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it told me that I had to forgive. I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own strength. I don't, I can't do it. A couple nights later, I, uh, I had the, the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. I was standing in my mother's bedroom. My heart was just, I missed her. I was just just hurting. And I heard voices in the the living room. I mean, when I say this it was a vivid dream, I could see the sun coming through the light, through the window, and and I saw this gentleman, he was, Two guys, one was six foot five and the other one was about six foot tall. And I automatically knew the one that was six foot five and he was the one that did it. And when I looked at them, they kind of like lowered their head, like in submission to me, like they were scared. And the one that was six foot five, he, he started crying and he leaned down in my ear and he whispered as he was crying, I started crying. He said, I'm so sorry for what I did to your mom. And I felt the sincerity. And I started consoling him. And I thought, wow, I'm consoling the man that killed my mom. What a God I serve. And I woke up and I had total peace. About a year later, District Attorney called me, said that a day before he was to go to trial, he plea bargained for life.
0: I prayed, I said,
2: God, don't let him get up there and beat this man down. Just, I don't want to do it that way. But each one of us got up there and spoke and we said we forgive the man. Big burden lift off of me. I'm talking about, man, because it would weigh on my heart every day i couldn't at work i couldn't function sometimes you know because i'm thinking about how to, how to hurt this man how to hurt his family when i when i walked into church after 18 years of sitting there saying i'll never go to church again i'll never go to church again when i walked into church and i heard that praise music man it's like somebody took a mallet and just broke all that bitterness and anger off of me God's blessed me and my wife, and we're not, I, I don't, I'm, I thank God that, I think I would have felt worse had I done followed follow through with what I was talking about. I have no, no ill will towards that man. As a matter of fact, I've actually thought about getting in contact with him and, and see if there's anything that I can help him with. I was one that walked around with unforgiveness in my heart, and now I know that it helps me search Even the smallest little thing of having unforgiveness. Because life is going to happen for us. And we're not always going to be walking on that mountain. We're going to go through those valleys. But God showed me that there's forgiveness. You know, I can forgive. I didn't know I could. Like I told God, I couldn't do it on my own. I need your help. And he reached out to him.
0: I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, yet will you live. Paul said it like this. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know know the power of his resurrection. See, because Jesus resurrecting from the dead proves, number one, that he is who he says he is. And number two, that he can do what he says he can do. And that, number three, brings us hope brings us hope. It gives you and I hope. Some of you have you're hopeless. He you said it'll never be fixed. When these couple testified about their marriage. You're like, maybe them but not me. You're hopeless. And that's the point. Is that you keep the stone in front of the tomb instead of allowing it to be rolled away. So you can see the miraculous power of what Jesus can do in your dark place. He can bring life. In your brokenness, he can resurrect. In your anger and pain, that's not right, that person deserves to pay for it, he can bring forgiveness if you'll but let him. Today is a beautiful day because we celebrate not a dead God. We celebrate not a fallen savior, but a risen savior who did everything he said he would do. Come on now, and is still doing that in the lives of men and women right here. Would you stand with me all across the room for just a moment? I want to minister to you, and then I'll dismiss you. I'd like you to do me a favor. Right where you stand, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? If you're new to us, I have you do that just so you can concentrate. We don't send little elves around to rob your purse while you're not looking. I just do that so you can actually concentrate. You can actually talk to God. To have a private space in the midst of a crowd of people. As you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, what caves full of darkness still exist in your soul? What have you not allowed Jesus to resurrect? Friend, Christianity is not about do's and don'ts and goods and bads. It's about the Savior resurrected and made a way that we could come back to the Father and His power to transform us is active and alive you think that it's about going to services and doing good friend it's about a relationship with the one sweetheart yes there will be a resurrection you need to understand something Martha I am the resurrection and the who stands before you he told her who stands before you can fix it if you'll but let me Jesus wants to heal that marriage he wants to put hope in you again he wants to purify your way of thinking your mind has gotten so perverted because of what you've been through he can clean it up that addiction doesn't have to destroy you you don't have to be what others have convinced you that you are he can resurrect you and bring life to you right there where you stand with your head bowed and your eye closed your god is not far off in some heavenly throne the bible says he's ever present and so right there where you stand with your head bowed and your eye closed if there's a dark place in your soul There's a shame. There's an uncontrollable urge. There's a sin habit that just embarrasses you. Now is your time. Roll back the stone and let Jesus bring life. There's a stench, a putridness about your heart. That hatred has just driven you almost to a place where no one likes you. Let Jesus have access to that. Father, I pray right now as we humble ourselves. We roll back the hidden places of our soul and we say, come, come heal that marriage. Come heal our way of thinking. Come deliver us from the anger, though justifiable, is so destructive. God, heal us from the habits that we medicate so that we don't have to face the sinfulness of our heart. Jesus, I pray right now, every man and woman here today, would understand you are the resurrection and the life. If they would but follow you, if they would but entrust you, not religion, you, a relationship with you, and that you can bring life to that which is dead. You can resurrect that which has no hope. You can undo what death has done, and you can bring it to life again. Now, with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here today who would say, Pastor, i got to be honest. When you talk about Jesus, it's like he's your best friend. That's true. He is my best friend. You talk about him, Pastor, like, like you know him. I do know him. Maybe you would say here today, Pastor, I don't know Jesus like that. Maybe you would say, truth be told, I'm not sure if I died today if I would go to heaven. Friend, think about it. If you and your family were T-boned out at the intersection your light turns green and an 18-wheeler runs that red light, hits your vehicle, and you're immediately killed. And you stand before Jesus Christ. What will he say to you? Will he look at you and say, well done, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, but Jesus, I wasn't the best. Yeah, but you loved me and you served me. You let me have access to your heart. You are my friend. Or would he look at you and say, man, why didn't you listen? So many times I tried to get your attention. Your aunt drug you to that church on the hill. That little crazy pastor with the bow tie was spitting and yelling and trying to get your attention, playing videos. And you still pushed me away. Listen to me, don't push him away today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Remove the stone. Let him have access to your heart. Let him love you and be your savior today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I want to know Jesus. But what do I do? Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth, And believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He did all the heavy lifting 2,000 years ago. He paid for it. You don't have to give money to the church to be saved, to be transformed. You don't have to be faithful to to a small group for for you to be right with Jesus. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. The implication there is that you, you surrender and you're letting be Lord of your life. That's the implication there. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. That's God tugging at my heart. It's time. I don't want to live the way I've been living. I don't want to be the person I've been. I want Jesus in my life. I need him. I want him with no one looking around. If that's you, would you let me pray for you? I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to make a big, big hoorah about you. This is real. This is a deep personal decision that you need to make because it affects the rest of your existence. And I want to give you the opportunity to make it right with Jesus. No one's looking around. If that's you, say, Pastor, it's me. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you right where you stand. But I need you to acknowledge it to yourself, to heaven, and to me as the pastor. No one's looking. If that's you, say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time for me to get right with the Lord. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? No one's looking. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you, sweet love. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for being authentic. Yes, ma'am. I saw you. Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm ready for Jesus in my life. I saw those hands. Yes, sir, you can put it back down. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. I I, I can't live like this anymore. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you, Spirit. God bless you. Anyone else on this beautiful Easter Sunday? Thank you, sir. 2019, this is the day where it all changes, where he brings life into your darkness, transforms the old you into a new you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Just two more seconds. Thank you, ma'am. Make sure I see your hand. Pastor, pray for me. It's time I'm ready to serve God. I don't want to live like this anymore. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer, prayer of commitment, a prayer of making Jesus the Lord of your life, a prayer of confession and repentance of your sin. I don't think there's anything magical about the words. I think what's supernatural is you said, yes, I want God. No one could do that. You, you know you, you too mean to just say yes to anybody. That's God tugging at your heart. That's God softening you because he wants a relationship with you. Thank you for responding. I'm going to lead you now in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. In fact, I want everyone in the audience to pray alongside those who lifted their hand. Repeat these words and mean them from the depths of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I've sinned against you. And today I ask you, please forgive me. Here and now, I acknowledge what you did on the cross for me. And I say, thank you, Jesus and I ask you now to be the Lord of my life I surrender my heart I surrender my will and I declare Jesus is my Lord write my name in your book of life fill me with your Holy Spirit I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name keep your head bowed for just a moment Father I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer with all sincerity who lifted their hand and said yes I need God in my life I'm tired of this way I've been living I pray right now they would feel the peace. The peace that comes with being right. Being right with you. That there's no more big elephant in the room. No more shame. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm not good enough. That all that would just dissipate as forgiveness just washes over. Lord, the joy that comes. The Bible says the joy of our salvation. The joy of knowing I may not be perfect, but I'm forgiven. And I may mess it all up, but I'm a son. I'm a daughter. He's accepted me. Father, I pray right now that as they have come into relationship with you, that Jesus, they you know, would start being best friends. They start growing. They start learning more about you. They start becoming more like you each and every day. And I speak peace over you now. Peace. You don't have to perform. You don't have to. You don't have to be anything. But in love with Jesus, Father, I thank you for that peace that surpasses all understanding that will now guard their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we call it as so in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen." And "Amen."